The seventh petition, deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition, in summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil, body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed hand and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Deliver us from evil is a matter of prayer day by day, and it is a matter of prayer also for the sake of delivering us out of this evil life and into the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ to be held by him until the resurrection of the body to separate us and to keep us away from all that is evil. And there are many examples of that we've already talked about. Our own sinful flesh that seeks to derail our faith, the sins of those around us that cause us harm and suffering, to say nothing of the realm of the demonic or systemic sins that seem to press on us from every side. Evil is constantly there. In a different part of the chasm, catechism, as, as Luther is describing our need for the word of the Lord and our need for the, the gifts of God's means of grace, in particular, talking about, talking about the uh, gift of Holy Communion, why to, why to run to the altar to get it? Well, pinch yourself and see if you still got flesh. You still have flesh? Then you need deliverance from the Lord from all evil. If it's there, it's, you know, it is corrupt, it is evil, it is broken, it is not perfect. We need protection from it. Are you still in the world? Look around you. Are you still here? If you're still here in this world and in this life, then there is no end of evil. And the only sucker, support, and gift of life that is going to protect you from all of those things is the word of the Lord, the gifts of his sacraments, the protection of good in the face of evil, to cast out and put a hedge around you with all that the world would assault you with. And if we are still in the world, and if we are still in our flesh, if we're not in the resurrection yet, then we certainly have Satan alongside us every step of the way, with all of his lies and murdering day in and day out, trying to kill off our faith, trying to convince us that the promises of God are nothing, that they are a wisp, a figment of imagination, a vapor. His lies and his murdering toward our faith is cast out and is fortressed against not only by this prayer, but then by the good that comes to us as we hear Lord's promises over and over and over again. And that's what we need, over and over and over again. Time after time, not just once a day, but many times a day. We continue to pray as evil presses in that the Lord God would rescue and hold and keep and retain us for his kingdom. We do not know 
when the hour of our own death is going to happen. There are plenty of time when the lead up to that makes things plain. And yet, every day, there are those who are taken without warning. There are those who meet their deaths without ever having expected that today was going to be that day. Deliver us from all evil doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to meet that death, but that in fact, that death is part of the deliverance. That finally, we are rescued from our own flesh and rescued from the sins of those around us and taken out of this world and placed into the hands of our loving Savior for the time until we are reunited with that flesh again in the resurrection, when it will be purified and there won't be any corruption on it. Deliver us from evil, takes us all the way through as we celebrate and call on the gifts of our baptism, all the way until we meet our own physical death and anticipation of the resurrection of the body. Deliver us from evil, protect us in the faith. God has promised to do this. He's promised not only that Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation in his ministry, but he's also promised that he's going to take those promises and lay them on our hearts and in our minds so that we know that they are for us. And not only is he going to do that, but he's going to carry us along the way. And that he calls on us to pray this prayer so that we recognize that he's doing that. That's exactly what he's up to. So that we give honor and glory to God for the protection of our faith, for the protection of our life. This poor man, this poor man in John 9, already born blind, and now we have to put him under a microscope. The guy couldn't see for all those years, and now we're going to put him under a microscope. Is it his fault, or is it his mom and dad's fault? Have you ever had that question run through your mind? Why is all this happening to me? Is it my fault? Somebody else's fault? Jesus puts the entire question aside. Let's look at the solution, shall we not? We're not going to sit here and find any answer to the question of where did the evil come from as far as though we're going to try to blame somebody and, and then get ourselves off the hook because it's not my fault, not your fault. Whose fault is it? Finger pointing all around. We've had that going on since the Garden of Eden. When Adam pointed to Eve and Eve pointed to the serpent, the serpent said, ha, ha, ha. Jesus says, this is now for the glory of God. Because I am the light of the world. Put this in my hands. So we come to the Lord with all that is evil and we say, Lord, if there's going to be anything to be done about this, it's going to have to be you who does the doing. It's a recognition that in the face of evil, in the face of our own corrupt hearts, in the face of our own warped minds, in the face of our own corrupt flesh, we have nothing to offer. 
We are helpless before all that is evil before us. But the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who died and rose for you, is not helpless. He is the light of the world. So let's look where the solution actually is. It's in his hands, his nail-scarred hands. The hands who have already shown us that he loves us without limit. And that his embrace for us goes on forever. You know, the man never went to Jesus and asked to be healed. So many people did come to Jesus. They knelt down in front of him. Lord, have mercy. What would you like? Please heal me. The man's just sitting there. Jesus heals him. Make the mud, put it on your eyes, go to the pool of Siloam, wash. He doesn't say, and you will see. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He just says, go ahead and do this. He does what Jesus says, and then he can see. Okay. And he, then he has to tell the story over and over and over again, because nobody will listen to it. They don't even think he's the same God for a while. Now, this to me, I have to be honest with you, it's one of the most hilarious stories in the whole Bible for me. I think this is crazy stuff. It's like Keystone Cops. Can't these guys figure this out? <clears throat> His friends say, we don't know what's going on. The Pharisees say, it can't be true. His parents say, we don't know what happened. They throw him back into the lion's den with the Pharisees. And the very folks, this is the killer, the very folks who are supposed to be taking care of his heart, the very folks that are supposed to be taking care of his heart, throw him out. Now, what kind of pastoral care is that? I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous stuff. It's not until the guy is spiritually kicked to the curb and on the street corner that Jesus finally throws up his hands and says, okay, I guess I'm it for you. And he goes and finds the poor guy. His family has washed his hands of them, his friends don't know what to do with him, and the Pharisees have kicked him to the curb. He's got nothing now. He doesn't even have a job he can beg with because now he can see. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he? That's me. Over and over and over again, these, these conversations in John's Gospel have gone through these pathways until Jesus reveals himself. Conversation with Nicodemus. He must be born again. The conversation with the woman at the well. I know that when Messiah comes, he's going to describe all this. He's going to unveil all this. He's going to make us know all things. That's me. Now this man can see. 
He was blind and he knew it. And he can see. And he knows it. Even though everybody else is telling him that he isn't even who he says he is. <laughs> I don't think he's really that guy. No one looks like him. He's a doppelganger. He's a twin brother from Bethsaida or somewhere. Talk about gaslighting. I know who I am. I know what happened to me. I went, I washed, I did what the man said, and now I see. I didn't ask him to take my blindness away, but he did. And it's a wonder, isn't it? Can't you see as plain as the opened eyes on my face now that I can describe all these colors? There's edges to the world. I've got it all figured out. Now I can see because of Jesus. He's been delivered from evil. <laughs> but in being delivered from one evil, he's now experienced a whole host of new evils. He had a place in this world. It was right there where he was sitting with his boy, <laughs> begging for a living. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody enjoyed his being there, nobody bothered him. They kept him going. It was a place to be charitable. Everything was fine. Now that he can see, everybody's in an uproar. <laughs> and not only has he lost half of his friends, it seems, and his family doesn't know what to do with him, and now the Pharisees, are, he doesn't know how he even relates now to God. Because he's kicked out of the synagogue. The only place where the word of God has been for him, now he's totally cut off. Excommunicated. How much more evil can that be? And so the living word, the light of the world, has to come to him and say, here I am. You believe in the Son of Man, Lord I believe, and did you catch the next line? And he worshipped him. He worshipped him. Now this is a this is a good old fashioned Old Testament believing Jewish man who knows that there is one God. And here's the man who gave him his sight. He knows that this is the God of heaven and earth. This is the Almighty One who spoke into the darkness that there would be light. This is the one who, who spoke and the, the winds came to part the Red Sea. This is the one who was at the top of the mountain when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. This is the one who has now come to visit his people and bring them the light that they need. The one who opens the eyes of one born blind. He worshipped him. He recognized in Jesus that the God of heaven and earth had come to heal him. To make him 
a witness of what the resurrection was going to entail. What it means. What it means that God finally delivers us from all evil. When this flesh and this world and that voice in the back of our minds that keeps shouting us down is gone. We are free. But not free of, of this body in its perfection, you see. We get to be human all over again. Perfectly. Restored. Back to being the image of God. Just like Jesus in his resurrection. Marvelous thing. What a marvelous thing to be delivered from all evil and finally restored to the vision that God had from the very beginning. Let's do it right and let's keep it that way. New creation 2.0. It begins here. It begins in the water of baptism. It begins with the word and promise of God. Who is this Jesus that I might believe in him? Well, here he is. He is the son of Mary, the son of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and buried. Descended into hell and rose again on the third day. He ascended into heaven and is now, even now, reigning to protect and keep you from all evil by all of these means at his disposal. He will not let you go. He has promised and he is faithful. And he is able to do it. His shoulders are broad enough. His back is strong enough. His knees and ankles are sturdy to hold up the entire world. Not in the way that Atlas did, but with outstretched arms on cross and the perfection and glory of his own resurrection to carry us with him all the way, all the way up to heaven and all the way into that new creation. This is the second to last public sign that Jesus is going to perform for the people to see. The last one is going to be next Sunday when he raises Lazarus from the tomb. Just wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. But of course, now the blind man has. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen.